Welcome back into another special edition of Boys Don't Lie to Podcast. It is your boy Owen Burke. I am here bringing you Mock Draft 2.0 today. Uh, if you haven't got a chance to go listen to Mock Draft 1.0, make sure you go hop over there and listen. First one, we did trades. Today, we're doing no trades. Uh, you know, I sit here and run through these hypotheticals of what's going to happen um, at the NFL Draft uh, day in, day out, hour in, hour. That's how I kill half of my days at work, to be honest with you. Uh you know, just doing random stuff at work, I'll just be like, well, I mean, if this guy falls here, then that guy could fall there. Or if they reach on this guy here, that could possibly let this guy slide. So you know what? I was like, let's do another mock draft. This one, we're going to do no trades. Um, so you're going to see a lot of reaches today. Uh, bear with me. You're going to hear the word. If you don't like the word reach for some reason, if that's like, if that word bothers you, uh, just don't listen because I'm going to say the word reach a lot uh, because that's what happens. That's the nature of the draft without trades. Uh, you can't trade down, you can't trade up, which means you're going to have a lot of teams reaching on certain players that didn't need at a certain spot, or that they did need it, but they didn't need it that early on, if that makes sense. So, if you're here today, I appreciate you for being here. I apologize for my voice. It's a little deeper, um, fighting a little bit of a cold. I got a stuffy nose, so you may hear me breathe in like that every once in a while as well. So, um, just... Hopefully that doesn't bother you too much. Hopefully it doesn't become too much of an issue. Uh, we're going to hop right into this today. So if you're here listening, I appreciate you. Uh, make sure you go check out Samari Sneaker Talk bonus. Uh, Shay's got a bonus coming out soon. And like I said, make sure you tune into Mock Draft 1.0 before you watch this. Because I will reference a lot of the things that happened in that draft in this one. So, starting off, uh, not going to spend a lot of time on picks 1 and 2 because they are the exact same. Um... Trevor Lawrence goes at one to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Pick two, Zach Wilson goes to the Jets. I think these are the foregone conclusions. If there if there was a slam dunk pick or a pick that I could say that I was like, this is like, if I had to bet my life on any picks, it'd be these two. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of hype or any talk really surrounding anybody else going at these two picks. Doesn't mean there couldn't be a surprise. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence is pretty, one, pretty much locked in. Zach Wilson... Who knows? Uh, the the Niners have talked a lot about Mac Jones and Trey Lance and not a lot about Justin Fields. It may scare the Jets into doing something else. Uh, they are under new management with a new head coach and Robert Salah, but overall, the franchise is not known that well for its decision-making prowess. So keep your eyes on pick two because something crazy could still happen there. I'm not going to rule out anything. So um, like I said, that's going to be the same picks one and two, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. Now, uh, if you did listen to Mock Draft 1, or if you just went and listened to it, first of all, if you heard me say that at the beginning and then stopped and went back, you're a real one. I appreciate that a lot. Um, uh, I talked about pick three in the Niners. I spoke it into existence uh, last time that they were going to take Justin Fields and not make the dis- the the horrible decision of taking Mac Jones at three. Um but for the sake of argument, I'm going to have them do that today. They're going to take Mac Jones at three because this draft can get really, really weird and really, really interesting if Justin Fields and Trey Lance are both on the board at four. Um, so that being said, I have Mac Jones going at three here. I I trust John Lynch. I trust the 49ers. I trust Kyle Shanahan. I trust the Niners front office and coaching staff as a whole. These guys have dealt with Jimmy Garoppolo these last two, three years. They dealt with watching him in the Super Bowl against Kansas City. I don't see any way that any competent executive and head coach, let alone the Niners, 
being in Kyle Shanahan, like I said, Kyle Shanahan is one of the best head coaches in the league. Uh, I don't, I just don't see them watching Jimmy G, and especially, especially for Shanahan and his offense to watch Jimmy G do the things that he does, overthrows the balls that he does, um, sitting flat foot in the pocket, all the problems that Jimmy G has had. I don't think they watch that. Then they decide to give up two first rounders to go up to pick three and then draft the exact same guy in Mac Jones. To me, he is. He's Mac Jones. The the good thing about Mac Jones, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's a very, you know, just game manager type quarterback, which could be good for the Niners. But right now, that's kind of what Jimmy Garoppolo is. It's the issue is, is that Kyle Shanahan's offense is not built for game managers. Kyle Shanahan's offense has so much potential. The ceiling for that offense, especially with the talent that they have in that offense, so much potential there. And I think Justin Fields is the guy that could fill that potential the best. I think drafting Trey Lance would also be a decent option. Sit him behind Jimmy G. Let Jimmy play out his contract. I believe he's only got one year left. If he's got two years, you let Jimmy play for a year, then trade him. Start Trey Lance at the start of next year. I don't think that's a bad move either. I think Mac Jones is by far the worst selection that they could pick here, other than not taking quarterback in general. Um, I think if they go anywhere but QB and give up two first-rounders, that's also a massive mistake. So... They're kind of so-so here, here. We'll see what the Niners do, but for the sake of argument, I'm going to have Mac Jones going at three here just to kind of shake things up. As as bad of a decision as I think it is. Um, at four, Atlanta. A lot, a lot, a lot of intrigue surrounding this pick. Uh, could be a quarterback. Could be a team coming up to get a quarterback. Uh, I think that is most likely the possibility. Um, especially if Trey Lance and Justin Fields are here, I think a quarterback will go for Now, whether that's Atlanta or whether that's somebody coming up to forward to take a QB there, that's yet to be seen. But for today's mock draft, like I said, no trades. Um, so we're just going to rock with what we know. Um, I think Atlanta is going to kind of fumble this pick. I don't know. It's not really a fumble, uh, but it's not really – I don't know. <laughs> It's another thing, like I said, if Mac Jones goes with three, this really shakes it up. And this is something that's also going to shake this this top ten up. And uh, the best years of the Falcons offense, they've had a great tight end. Austin Hooper being one. Uh, Tony Gonzalez had a couple solid years. They've been searching for a guy there. Hayden Hurst was kind of the guy here and there uh, last year. Um, so they go Kyle Pitts here at four. Uh, I think it's a very interesting pick. Like I said, who knows? There's been talks of Micah Parsons going at this pick because of the Falcons' defensive woes. So with Arthur Smith there as their new head coach, and he was just basically a a glorified running backs guy in Tennessee because that's all they did was run the ball and play action, I have no idea what they want to do with this pick. It's very, very far and in between. There's, there's at least four to five different directions they could go here. They could take Trey Lance. They could take Justin Fields. They could take Kyle Pitts. They could trade out of this pick. <clears throat> Hell, they could go Penny Swole, honestly, if they wanted to. Uh, it never hurts to have a franchise left tackle on your team, no matter no matter who it is or who your current tackles are. So uh, I have them taking Kyle Pitts here because I really think it's going to also shake up what happens here later on. So we're going to have some fun today. That's uh, We're in for a storm as Lawrence Wilson, Mac Jones, and Kyle Pitts go one, two, three, four. So get ready. Hold your, hold on to your seats. Hold on to your hats because it's going to get bumpy. Um, pick five remains unchanged in my opinion. Uh, like I said, I've said it. I've thought it. I've tweeted it. I've 
yelled it, I've whispered it, I've done everything in between. I know that taking Jamar Chase at pick five and reuniting him with Joe Burrow is a very, very tantalizing thing for the Bengals front office, but Jamar Chase is not going to help Joe Burrow not tear his ACL again. You have to, have to, have to protect the future of your franchise. We've seen quarterbacks tear their ACL and never played the same before. And there's a chance that Joe Burrow's already hit that mode. I like I don't I don't mean to rain on any Bengals fans parades. I I'd love to battle with Joe Burrow for the rest of his I mean I don't want to. I'd love for I don't prey on any man's downfall, but for Baltimore to have an extra two easy games each year, I would love to watch Baltimore just be able to walk over the Bengals if Joe Burrow can't get back to form. I think he will, and I think Penny Sewell here at 5 continues him being able to keep upright and and take this team forward. Um they do need a wide receiver, but to me, getting the best tackle on the draft and addressing wide receiver later on is a much, much better strategy because I will tell you that there are so many tackle-hungry teams in this draft. If you go Google every team's needs for this year's NFL draft, I would say a solid half of them have tackle in the top three needs for their team. Uh, there's still some free agents out there that could address those needs, but obviously you'd rather you know, draft Penny Sewell or, or Rashawn Slater or Christian Darisaw than sign a 32, 33-year-old Andre Villanueva. So I think the Bengals, like I said, it's it's so, so enticing. And if you could somehow get to pick six without giving up pick five and take both of them, uh, that's a dream scenario by far. It's the, the biggest pipe dream any Bengals fan or I think any fan at all could have in this draft class is getting both of those guys. Um, like I said, um just, I know I said I wasn't going to talk a lot about the picks that stayed the same, but this is one that I really feel like I need to stress because this is one of those things that is, like I said, I know that the opposite taking Chase is so, so enticing to bring him in because he was, he was Bro's number one guy when they won the national title two years ago and he hasn't played football in this last year, but you have to, have to, have to protect your future. And right now, Joe Burrow is the future. Not Joe Mixon, not Jamar Chase, not Auden Tate, not T. Higgins, not anybody on the defense, not Zach Taylor. It doesn't matter. Joe Burrow is the future of your franchise, and you have to do everything in your power to keep him upright and keep him healthy. Penny Sewell is the pick at five. Um, pick six. Uh, I have, see, in our last mock, I had uh, the Panthers moving up to take Kyle Pitts here. Um, and I had the, the Dolphins moving back two picks to take Devontae Smith. No trades available. Pitts is already off the board. I think they take Devonta Smith here anyways. I was looking at the roster. I really don't think the wide receiver is anywhere near the top of the needs category for the Dolphins. They do need an explosion on offense, but their defense need a little bit of work here and there. Honestly, their tackles, they need, they need a little bit of help across the offensive line. But this has been the thing that's been talked about, and I think the talent is just too much to pass up on. Now, if Penny Sewell does not go at five, and Penny Sewell is available at six, I think he's a slam dunk pick as well. Uh, I think that goes for just about every team from five to ten. Uh, Penny Sewell is a slam dunk pick. So it's just about who's going to take, who's going to pull the trigger on him instead of taking a wide receiver. Um, Devonta Smith at six, I think he gives you the explosion over the top. Jalen Waddle has a higher ceiling, but I think Devonta Smith, with his size even, is a safer pick because of his route running ability. Um, you get to the next level, guys are a lot faster. You're not running against 
against college guys anymore. You're running against pros. You know, you're running against Xavier and Howard every day at practice. You have to play Stephon Gilmore twice a year in that division. You have to play Jordavius White twice a year in that division. It's not going to be easy. So you need that boost, that route running. Like I said, you can rely on speed all day long, but guys that rely on speed usually aren't the best receivers when it comes to the NFL. Guys like John Ross have struggled. Hollywood Brown has struggled outside. He, he, I'll give Hollywood his props. In the postseason last year, Hollywood Brown took off and had a great three, two, three-game stretch in the postseason. But in the regular season, he was horrible. John Ross has struggled his entire career. You need that route running ability. I think that's what Devonta Smith brings to the table, and I think that's why the Dolphins will land on him at six, especially if Kyle Pitts is already off the board. Pick seven, same as before. Jamar Chase is the perfect, perfect pick um, for a lot of teams in this draft. I think Baltimore could use Jamar Chase. Not going to happen. No way in hell. I would lose my mind if somehow Baltimore landed Jamar Chase. Uh, the other two teams that I think are at the top of, that should have him at the top of the board are the Lions, who are going to take him here at seven, and the Eagles. They don't need the explosion. They need that steady guy that's going to be there and the reliable option for the quarterback. That's what Jamar Chase brings. I have him as my number one wideout. His ceiling isn't the highest, I really think, as the other guys, but he is by far the safest pick. I think he brings the most production year one, and he is he is like your go-to number one guy for years to come. And I think he lands in Detroit. Jared Goff has a new target. Kenny Galladay is gone. It is his offense. It's Goff's offense. He needs a weapon. Jamar Chase is the guy. Now pick eight. Here's, like I said, reaches are going to happen here. That's what happens in the nature of a no-trade draft. Uh, pick eight comes around. Kyle Pitts is gone. Jamar Chase is gone. Penny Sewell has gone. Not a lot the Panthers can do. They have a lot of needs to address still, honestly. Um... The Panthers went all defense last year, um, so they need to kind of diversify, do some things here. I could see them going with um, with like a Patrick Sertain pick here to stack up in their secondary next to Jeremy Chin going forward. But you just got Sam Darnold. His contract does expire soon. You have great weapons around him. Like I said, Kyle Pitts in this last draft, I had them moving up, taking Kyle Pitts at six. So then your offense would consist of DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, CMC, Kyle Pitts, if that was the pick, and then Sam Darnold at the helm. That's a great offense. The only issue is their offensive line is a little weak. So with Kyle Pitts off the board, Penny Sewell's gone. I'm going to have my first reach of the day. They take Rayshon Slater out of Northwestern. I think he's a great run blocker for CMC. He's also very agile. He gets out and blocks in the flats. I think he'll be a great puller in their screen game going forward. And also, like I said, Sam Darnold's contract expires soon. You cannot give anybody, whether it's him, the analysts, me, Anybody, any Sam Darnold lovers or haters out there, he can have no excuse. You can't get to his contract year when his contract extends. You can't come to contract talk time and be like, well, he played well, but he didn't have any protection. You know, well, he, because that's what a lot of, you know, you can, everybody has that fallback. You know, well, he didn't have anybody to throw to. Well, his offensive line was terrible. They had to throw the ball 50 times a game. They didn't have a run game. Don't give Sam Darnold any excuses. I know it's a reach. You take Christian Darisol, or excuse me, you take Rayshon Slater. He's your tackle going forward. He replaces Cam Irving. Um, I'm not really sure why the Panthers. I know that they just signed Cam Irving, um, but he had a 58 Pro Football Focus grade last year. Uh, he's part of one of the worst offensive lines in the league in the Dallas Cowboys last year. Uh, I don't know why that was their pick. I guess. And, and now with taking Rayshon Slater, he becomes a depth guy. I think that's a solid role for him. Um, 
because you have a uh, Taylor Motten on the other side who is solid. I think he had like an 82 grade, uh, not great, but not bad either on the other side. So I think Rayshon Slater, like I said, can't give Sam Darnold any excuses because he's got the weapons. You give him the offensive line, and if Sam Darnold can't succeed there, his time maybe in the NFL may be over already. Um, pick nine. I talked about it. I can't remember if I was able to talk about it on the show these last two weeks. Um, the new G- Broncos GM, uh, I can't remember his first name. His last name's Patton. Um, said he likes Drew Locke. He's very high on Drew Locke, but he's going to keep his eye on the QBs in this draft class just to kind of see what happens. Uh, with no trades, Mac Jones going at three, Atlanta doesn't go quarterback. This is one of the things, this is one of the QBs he has his eyes on. Justin Fields goes at nine to the Broncos. Um, good fit. I don't know what you want to do with Drew Locke at that point. If you want to trade him, if you want to hold him, that's the same thing with pick one. I don't know what you want to do with Gardner Minshew after you draft Trevor Lawrence. Who knows? We'll see. But if Justin Fields or I don't know if they would go Trey Lance at nine, it's, you know, you're replacing Drew Locke with the project quarterback. I don't know if that's a great idea. But with Justin Fields available at nine, I think that's a slam dunk pick for Denver. I don't think you pass up on that. Uh, why he is falling down everyone's boards, I don't understand. He's played in the biggest moments. He's performed well in the biggest moments. Yes, he has his downsides. So does Zach Wilson. I, I A lot of people are high on Zach Wilson that I've talked to. Some people are low on Zach Wilson I've talked to. I, I don't 100% see the talent in Zach Wilson, but I'm not an expert. Not yet. I hope to be one day. Uh, but I just simply don't have the time to watch every BYU game and tell you why or why not Zach Wilson deserves to go at pick two. All I know is I did have the time to watch Justin Fields play against Alabama and Clemson in the two biggest stages any quarterback can play in in these last two years. And I saw him. I've, I've seen the toughness. I this is, this is, like I said, this is the guy I see at three. This is everything Kyle Shanahan wants. You have a big arm. He's mobile. He's smart. He think he's coachable. He has no character trademarks around him. Like everyone's bringing Justin Fields' character into question. You know, like well, he makes questionable decisions. Mac Jones has a DUI. I don't understand why, why, why Justin Fields is such a big you know question mark. But Mac Jones is a slam dunk. It, it makes no sense to me. Um, Justin Fields is he's shown his toughness, and that's another thing for the Niners to go back up to this pick. I mean, he's got the big arm. Jimmy G overthrew that ball in the Super Bowl. I know I don't have to bring up the clip. I don't have to talk about it anymore. Every Niners fan knows anybody that watches the Super Bowl from two years ago when they played the Chiefs knows what ball I'm throwing about. That overthrow, Mac Jones overthrew that same ball at his pro day. Jimmy G has struggled to stay on the field. These last couple of years, he's been banged up. He tore his ACL the first year he got there after six games, and he's been in and out, wishy-washy, doesn't want to play in situations where he doesn't think he can win, da-da-da-da-da, whatever. Justin Fields took a, I took a monster shot. I believe it was in that game against Clemson. I believe, or not, I can't remember. Don't quote me. It was in one of the last two games in the college football playoffs, either in the semifinals or in the in the national title game. Took that shot, broke a rib or two, and got up, played the rest of that game, and played the game after. I believe it was a semifinal game because he had to go on and play Alabama in the title game. Um. So he has the toughness that the Niners are looking for. So why they would not take Justin Fields at three is beyond me. But with the Broncos, you see him sitting here at nine. It's too good to pass up on. You love Drew Locke, but you like you love Justin Fields more. Uh, pick 10, Patrick Sertain stays the same for mock draft one. Uh, Dallas gets a number one corner going forward. 
They've taken corners out of Alabama before. It hasn't always worked out. Trayvon Diggs has been so-so so far. Um, I could go into the list of the, the corners that the, the Cowboys have taken and not panned out in the last couple of years. The one that they did pan out was Byron Jones, and then he decided to walk and go down to Miami and get paid. So um, I think you know there's a lot of needs here. I think with Rayshon Slater gone, I think Christian Darisaw is a little bit too high of a reach here for them. And like I said, man, they had probably the worst defense in the NFL last year as well. Uh, so you get your one corner because that's, to me, like, I don't know if it's the most glaring need for Dallas, but Patrick Chutain is one of the best players on the board. He's one of the best athletes on the board, and he's the best player in his position group. I think that's what Dallas would want. They want the guy that's going to be the best player at his position in this draft. Patrick Sertain's the guy to me at 10. 11. Last time around, I had the Giants slide back to 15 where they were able to take a tackle and not reach. Not going to be possible this time around. They could go Darisaw here if they wanted to, but I think an edge rusher is really, really crucial right now for the Giants. They have a lot of solid corner play last year. They just couldn't hold it all together because you can only cover for so long. You know, you need a pass rush. You have to, that has to work in a tandem. You can't have great corners and no pass rush because your corners don't look great because they have to cover for seven seconds. Every wide receiver is going to get open after a certain period of time. You have to get to the QB every once in a while. So that's why I think the Giants go Michael Parsons here at 11. I think he's the best edge rusher in this draft. He's a great run stopper. He's a great blitzer. They run a 3-4 defense in New York. He is the prototypical perfect edge rusher. And I think, honestly, I think this guy is a huge game changer. I think he's a defensive rookie of the year candidate, if not just the defensive rookie of the year lock, honestly. Because I think the Giants' defense... Now having a pass rush, if he can truly really impact their pass rush game, it's going to uptick everything else on that defense. You're going to see a massive uptick from the Giants defense as a whole from this pick. So that's why I think Michael Parsons is a slam dunk at 11 for them. He could go at 9. I wouldn't see him going to Dallas at 10. I don't think he fits the scheme as good in Dallas, but Jerry Jones has made questionable picks in the past that have landed, a.k.a. Travis Frederick was a third-round graded guy. He took him in the first round. Uh, He ended up being a pro bowler. So Jerry Jones sometimes is an idiot. Sometimes he looks like an idiot and he's a genius. Who knows uh, about Jerry Jones at this day and age? Um, Pick 12, the Eagles. Uh, They get lucky again. Jalen Waddle slides. Um, Nothing wrong with his game. Uh, a little bit injury prone. I think his injury history will have him slide a little bit. Uh, there's a chance that the Dolphins take him at six. There's a chance the Lions take him at seven. There's a lot of teams that could use a wide receiver, but there is a lot of great defensive talent and Patrick Sertain and Micah Parsons and just the tackle hungry necessity and the quarterbacks that are going to go early. So that leads to him sliding. Um, I think he's a great fit. Uh, they they took Jalen Rager last year. Should have taken Justin Jefferson. Um, Rager hasn't panned out so far, but you got to give Jalen Hurts some weapons. Deshaun Jackson left. They also lost uh, another receiver out of their say. I can't remember who it was. I just looked at it, but they had two guys leave. So I think you answer it with um, with Jalen Waddle. Uh, pick thirteen. Not the same pick. Last time I had Rashawn Slater going at thirteen. Uh, to the Chargers. This time, obviously, he went early on at pick eight to the Panthers. So I have them reaching, taking Christian Darisaw out of Virginia Tech here. I think he's the third best tackle in the draft. It's really not even that much of a reach. 
Um, I think Slater falling to 13 would be a much more favorable scenario, but if they can get one of these two tackles, and this is another thing, tackle's not a really high need for the Chargers, but you took a quarterback in the first round last year. Justin Herbert is a stud. Invest in the future. Keep him upright. Do not run into the same problem the Bengals ran into last year. Keep him on his feet. You get a franchise tackle going forward. Hopefully he can keep Justin Herbert up, and there's your pairing going forward. Um and hopefully Herbert can succeed with some even extra protection. Um, next pick's going to stay the same again. Uh, the Vikings take J.C. Horn at 14. Uh, another defense that really, really struggled last year is one of Mike Zimmer's, if not his worst defense he's ever had in his coaching career. Um, they still have some talent on that defense in the linebacking core. They still have uh, Everson Griffin. We'll see if he gets dealt or not. Um, not Everson, Daniel Hunter. My bad, I got him mixed up. Uh, he has requested a trade. It is yet to go through. It might happen on draft night. We don't know yet. I think J.C. Horn tacks into their secondary well, tries to be their one corner. You have Harrison Smith still at safety. You have a decent edge rush. Hopefully the Vikings defense can turn it around. Pick 15. This is by far probably the biggest slam dunk and the biggest steal of the draft. Uh, with no trades, Trey Lance falls all the way to 15. Um, I think the more... Realistic. What should be the realistic thing is Mac Jones being here at 15, but if the Niners do make that mistake and take him at three, Trey Lance slides. Uh, he sits behind Cam Newton for a year, and I think it's a perfect scenario. Uh, Trey Lance is, if I had to pick a guy, like Trey Lance's scenario is get drafted, sit behind a starter for a year, then play. I think he's a project guy. I think he has a very, very high ceiling. He has a cannon for an arm. He has a lot of talent, but he is a project quarterback. You have to have a guy that's going to play for a year. He's another guy that I could see landed like Chicago that would be a good fit. Sit him behind Andy Dalton for a year, then let him loose. Sit him behind uh, Matt Ryan in Atlanta, let him loose. Like That's the type of situation he needs to succeed. Uh, if he went one or two or three, I feel like he would... I don't know if you'd sit him behind Jimmy G if he went at three to the Niners or not. I think at one and two, he would struggle. I think if he, if you take him and you immediately try to throw him in, I think you're going to see him struggle early on. Um, so that's why I think the Patriots obviously need a quarterback for the future. Even if Cam Newton plays well, he's not getting any younger. You take the guy for the future. You sit him behind Cam for a year. Best of both worlds. Beautiful. Uh, pick 16-17. This is the Cardinals and the Raiders. I think Christian Barrymore going from Alabama to the Cardinals at 16. I have Trevin Mooring from TCU, the safety, going at 17 to the Raiders. Uh, both of those picks stayed the same. Not going to cover them too much. Uh, those are two guys that have top 10 talent, really, but just not a huge necessity up there for them. Uh, and there's just kind of better players. They Those are both guys that are the best players in their category at D-tackle and at safety. But you just you look at Patrick Sertain and Michael Parsons, who are both at the top of their categories as well, and they're just more tantalizing prospects to take early. They have higher ceilings. So I have both of these guys sliding. Perfect situations for both players. Perfect situations for both teams. Not going to talk too much more about it because I've talked about it in the last mock, uh, but that's a dream scenario for both player and team there at 16 and 17. Uh, pick 18. Last time around, I had the Dolphins move back. The Steelers come up and get a tackle. This And the Dolphins move back to 24, take Quiddy Pay. No need to trade back. Uh, we can't trade back in this time around. We're doing no trades. So I just have them taking Quiddy Pay at 18. Uh, it's still a great pick. A little bit of a reach, but once you enter that, 
once you get to pick 20, you're not really worried about reaches. You're taking whoever you think is best available, whoever is going to fit your system and your need. Um, so I have them taking Quiddy Pay at 18. He's probably the best edge rusher at the defensive end category. Micah Parsons is more of a 3-4 edge rusher, hybrid linebacker, D-end combo thing. You know, uh, the, the the hybrid linebacker that you really want in that 3-4 set. Uh, Pay is the best probably edge rusher from the defensive end category. Miami stacks up here. Hopefully uh, he tacks into um, their system well. And I think he helps out their secondary a lot by getting back to the quarterback and wreaking some havoc uh, in that division. Washington football team, pick 19. A lot of things they could do here as well. With the Steelers not moving up to get Elijah Vera Tucker, I have him going here at 19. I think it's a great pick for Washington. There's not really a quarterback you want to take here to sit behind Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, So you're trying to build that team for whatever QB takes over the system after he leaves. You get a tackle going forward. Um, And also never hurts to keep your current quarterback, no matter the age or the talent, never hurts to keep your starter healthy. So take Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC, shores up the offensive line. Their defense is studly. They have the weapons on offense. Even with Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think this team can really challenge for that division title. Now, if Dallas hits their full potential, there's no one in that division that's touching them. But it's been a while since Dallas has hit that full potential. Sorry, Matt. I love you to death. I love all my Cowboys fans, Raymond included. Yeah, You struggle to hit that potential a lot of the times. This is a team in Washington that can be very, very, very dangerous. Uh, You have Terry McLaurin. You have uh, Antonio Gibson at running back. Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you get Fitzmagic, it's over. They're going to win the division. Their defense is solid. Riverboat Ron's a great head coach. Uh, The Washington football team, honestly, are kind of my favorites to win that division just because I'm waiting on the the eventual downfall of Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys. I apologize to all my Cowboys fans out there. I just, I think he's a terrible head coach, and I don't think you're going to get anywhere with him. Uh, you fire Jason Garrett and hired a guy that's just 200 pounds heavier with the same playbook, 300 pounds heavier, whatever you want to say. <clears throat> Not a great head coach hire. Not going to get too much more into it. Elijah Vera Tucker and 19 to the football team. Pick 20, the Bears. Man, what a horrible, horrible spot for the Bears to be in. Just out of reach to get anybody they really need or want here. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker would be a great pick for them at 20. Uh, Trey Lance would be a great pick for them. They just fall right outside. They could take a corner here if they wanted to, to shore up their secondary. Um, but the Bears tend to flounder in big moments, a la Mitch Trubisky. Uh, so I think uh, you also have to look at the state of the team. When you're making these picks, you got to think about what the head coach is thinking. Uh, right now, Matt Nagy's thinking about saving his job. And at this point, they have a decent run game. Uh Andy Dalton is capable of surprises. Your offensive line isn't terrible. Tackle is really the pick here. You could reach on Walker Little. I think they're going to flounder the pick. I have them taking uh, Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. He's a great receiver. He'll tack in as a really, really solid number two behind Allen Robinson. But bigger needs to address. I just I feel like the Bears are going to flounder this pick regardless, honestly. Because like I said, unless somebody slides to them, they're just right in the middle of right where the Bears don't want to be at. So uh, that's their issue. Pick 21, um, the Colts, a little bit better. Not not great managed, but a little bit better than the Bears. I have them reaching on Walker Little at 21. 
Uh, you sure up the offensive line. You have Carson Wentz now. Like I said, if you have if you have acquired a quarterback that you feel like is the future of your franchise in the last two in the last one or two years, you need to go get a tackle to protect him. Like I said earlier, this is a this is a draft full of great tackle talent, and this is a draft of tackle needy teams. Uh, Walker Little at twenty one to the Colts just makes sense to me. They could go wide receiver. You could flip these picks between the Bears. And the Colts, and you could have the the Colts take Bateman, give an extra target for Carson Wentz to throw to. But uh, I think they should be a more run-heavy offense. They have Naeem Hines. They have Jonathan Taylor. T.Y. Hilton's back for a year. This is another thing I think you address tackle here, address wide receiver later on. Um, that's why I have Walker Little going at 21 to the Colts. Uh, 22, same pick as last time. I have the Titans reaching on Rondell Moore. Drew, I love you. I love all my Titans fans out there. Um, I don't love the team themselves, but I'm a people lover. You know me. I love all my Titans fans. Uh, Not really sure what the Titans are going to do with this pick. A lot of different directions they can go. I have them taking Rondell Moore. I think you you have to kind of fill in for Corey Davis leaving. They have a – and Johnny Smith also left. Ryan Tannehill is going to need some targets. Uh, It's a little bit of a reach, but Rondell Moore has an extremely high ceiling, and I think he plays well against next to A.J. Brown going forward. Um, like I said, a little bit of a reach, but very, very high ceiling. Uh, I think he's going to be a great player. I'd love for him to fall to 27 to Baltimore. Um, pick 23, New York Jets. Last time I had around, I had them trading back to pick 28, and I had them taking Greg Newsom the second. No trades available. I have them taking Greg Newsom the second at 23. Uh, the only reason I really had them trading back is because I felt like they could trade back and still get a corner because I don't think there's going to be a corner that would go in between there. No need to trade. Go get the guy you want. They take Greg Newsom out of Northwestern at 23. 24, like I said, a lot of trades happened in Mock Draft 1.0. If you haven't listened, make sure you go tune in because this is the order where I'm really going to start where I have and I'm going to continue to talk about them for the next couple of picks. Last time around, I had the Steelers move up to 18, take Elijah Vera Tucker. I think right here I have them reach a little bit. They take Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State. Um, Big Ben's time is almost up, so um, there's not a quarterback you really want here to be the heir apparent to him. So you go get a tackle that's going to help beef up the offensive line for an aging offensive line and to protect whatever quarterback you take in the future to replace Big Ben. Pick 25. Uh, Last time around, I had Tevin Jenkins going to Jacksonville to take at pick 25. Obviously, he goes to the pick before, so I have them reaching a little bit more on Dylan Raddance out of North Dakota State. Uh, absolute mauler. I think he's a great player. I had him going in the first round of my last mock draft. I think I'm comfortable with putting him here at 25. Uh, like I said, broken record. Sometimes you reach if you've drafted a quarterback in the last one to two years or if your quarterback's gotten hurt in the last one to two years. You need to go get a tackle to protect him. They took Trevor Lawrence at one. You take Dylan Radunce at 25 to protect him going forward. I think it's a slam dunk pick. I think tackle, unless a huge run in all these tackles that I've the two that I've mentioned the last two picks and Tevin Jackson and Dylan's Rounds. If those two guys are gone here, I don't know what you want to do if you're a Jags, if you're Urban Meyer in the Jags front office. But to me, if one of those two guys are there, I think they've got to be the slam dunk pick at 25, unless something else ridiculous happens. 26. The Browns, this is a pick I have no idea what the Browns are going to do here. They could go Elijah Moore to stack into their slot receiving category, uh, really give Baker every weapon under the sun. I talked about Sam Darnold entering his contract year soon. Baker was the same draft class. You can't give Baker any excuses. Um, 
So they could go wide receiver here. Uh, the tackles are kind of off the board. Their offensive line is the strongest suit. To me, they need to go defense here. I have them going Caleb Farley, stack him next to Denzel Ward in that secondary going forward. Jabril Peppers is still back there. Uh, kind of a spot where they could really trade down, but with no trades available, Caleb Farley I think is a solid pick and a guy that could really bolster that secondary because um, – there's not a lot of wide receiver talent in the AFC North itself, but you're going to run into it if you're trying to make the playoffs. If you're if you're trying to make the Super Bowl, you know, if you run into Kansas City, you're going to need more than just one good corner. They have a lot of good weapons up there. So, uh the Browns take Caleb Farley to help out their secondary going forward. Pick 27. My time to shine. Baltimore Ravens are on the clock. Um <laughs> not much to talk about. It's the same pick as last time around. Jason Owe here out of uh Penn State. Uh, I think he is one of the most athletically gifted edge rushers. We talked about Kawhi Pay early from Michigan, and I talked about his teammate Micah Parsons. Jason Owe is the blend, the mix between the two. He plays D end. He can play the three four hybrid linebacker. Uh, he has the speed to do it. We'll see how his technique develops going forward. I think edge rusher is 100% the pick here for Baltimore. They lost Matt Judon. They didn't have a strong edge rush even with Judon. So uh, they have to, have to, have to take an edge rusher either here or at pick 31, which we'll talk about that later. There's a lot of guys that are on the board here that they could take. They could take Jalen Phillips. They could take, uh, I know I'm going to butcher his name again, Aziz Olojuari out of Georgia. Or they could take Owe. Or, I don't know, I just got stumbled up over my words. Jalen Phillips out of Miami is also available. One of those three guys has to be the pick here. They could trade down. It's a very Baltimore thing to do. I would be shocked if they make pick 27 and 31 in this first round. But um, with the two picks I have here, I think there's a very solid chance that they actually do make both of these picks. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take two guys falling to Baltimore for them to really make both of these picks and not trade one of them back. Uh, pick 28... Uh, Jeremiah Owusu out of Notre Dame. I had the the Saints trading up to get him at 23 last mock draft. There's not a lot of linebacker-hungry teams here. I could definitely see the Browns taking him at 26, but I have him sliding down to the Saints at 28. 29. Uh, last time around, Packers take Kadarius Tony out of Florida. This time, Elijah Moore is slid. Last time I had him going up to the Browns. Elijah Moore, the wide receiver from Mississippi, uh, probably the best slot receiver in the draft. Uh, he's a great, he's a huge catch radius. He's a great contested catch ability. I think Aaron Rodgers is currently the guy, and even if he's not, Jordan loves the guy. You get a, you get a receiver for him. Uh, never hurts to have an extra receiver in the set. You have Devontae Adams at your one spot. You have uh, Alan Lazard playing your two probably, and now you add Elijah Moore into your slot. I think it's a great fit and a great player to add to that Packers receiving core. Pick 30 stays the same as well. Jalen Phillips, edge rusher out of Miami. Not a lot of needs in Buffalo. You're kind of here, here, so, so, whatever you want to do in Buffalo. Uh, I think edge rusher never hurts. It's one of the most, if not the most coveted position in a draft. You look at this draft and most drafts, there are three guys, you know, three, three players that you always want to keep your eye out that can always boost your team and that's a quarterback if you need one that is a solid tackle i've talked about tackles non-stop in this draft uh, a great pass blocking left tackle and a great edge rusher those are three things that teams covet very very highly when it comes to draft time with a guy like jalen phillips who's been shooting up draft boards after miami's two pro days i think he is the pick for buffalo at 30 
pick 31 was the Kansas City Chiefs. Just this last week, depending on when you listen to it, Orlando Brown Jr. was traded from Baltimore to Kansas City for this pick. Uh, If you want to hear my thoughts on that trade, uh, make sure you go listen to uh, episode 11, I believe, episode 12. It was one of the last two episodes. I was able to talk about it. Um, I don't want to talk too much into it because I'm running a little little late on my time already today. Uh, but Baltimore lands at 31. Like I said, I believe one of these two picks, Baltimore is probably going to trade back into the second round because that's just what they do. But in this situation, with Baltimore's offense the way they run it, and this guy available here, I have Kadarius Tony out of Florida. I know Shea would love this. He's a Florida fan. He's a Ravens fan. This would be a huge, huge thing for him. He'd love it. The only thing he'd love more in this draft is if Kyle Pitts somehow put on a Baltimore Ravens jersey next year. Uh, Kadarius Tony, I think, answers your need at wide receiver for Baltimore. He gives you. He's not a great fit for what Baltimore needs in the wide receiver category, but with John Harbaugh's creativity on offense. Uh, you can tack a lot of wildcat sets in with him. We have jet sweeps. Kadarius Tony was a he wasn't a wide receiver at Florida. He was an athlete. He was a playmaker. Baltimore's in need of a playmaker in the wide receiver room. To me, Kadarius Tony would be a great, a great add for them at twenty seven or thirty one. I would be okay with either uh, taking Kadarius Tony. He would be a great, great addition to Baltimore's wide receiver room. And like I said, the creativity of Baltimore's run offense would just be boosted with a weapon like Tony who can do it all, take snaps, run the ball out of the backfield, catch it on screen routes, catching over the middle. He's just he's a he's a playmaker, dude. I don't know what else to say. If you you want to see an electric highlight tape, go watch Kadarius Tony's uh his college highlights from this last year. Dude's just a a playmaker in in every sense of the word. So um last pick of the draft. 32, the champs Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they returned all 22 starters from the Super Bowl roster. It's the first time that's ever happened in Super Bowl history. Um, So there's not a glaring need for them. They could definitely go wide receiver here. There's going to be some talent there. And Terrence Marshall Jr. out of LSU, who is the guy in the slot. Uh, You know, Chris Godwin's on a one-year deal. They franchise tagged him, so that's there. But I'm going to turn to the edge rushing category because Aziz Olajuwari, again, butchered his name again, probably out of Georgia, is available. Um, and their edge rushers are getting a little old on the defensive line. They have Ndamukong Sue playing end right now. Not a great fit with how big he is. He's definitely more suited to play the tackle spot. But uh, the rich get richer. They add an edge rusher there, and if nothing else, he's a developmental piece and a guy that you can have learned from the guys that are there, from Shaq Barrett and from Ndamukong Sue, and, and he becomes your edge rusher of the future in Tampa Bay. So... That's going to do it for Mock Draft 2.0. If you made it all the way through, I appreciate you. Let me know what you think about it. Send me a message on Snapchat. DM me on Twitter. At me on Twitter. Whatever you want to do. Uh, I'll try to get back to you. I'm, I'm curious. I want to hear you guys' feedbacks. So um, make sure you guys stay safe. Uh, like I said, I got sick this week. It's not COVID. So I was thankful for that. But stay safe. Stay healthy. We appreciate you for listening. And keep your eyes on Boys Don't Lie to Podcast. We have a lot of stuff coming out, man. This is we are we're gearing up for the summer. The summer's gonna be huge, but we just we're too excited uh to to wait for the summer. So we've got some big stuff coming and we're probably gonna drop it sooner rather than later. So keep your eyes on us. Uh if you have friends that haven't listened to us yet and you want to get them involved. You know, tell us about it. Uh, the the biggest marketing tool that we have and the biggest advertisement we have are you guys as listeners. There is no 
greater advertising tool than word of mouth. You know, you going to school or you going to college, work, whatever it is, and telling your friends about it, man, it helps us so much. We appreciate every single one of you guys that are listening right now and in the future or in the past, whatever. We appreciate you guys so, so much. I know it's a broken record. We say it every week on the podcast. We've said it on every special. But this, you know, this dream does not get achieved without you guys listening week in, week out. So there's no greater thing. There's I can't thank you guys enough, you know. So I appreciate you guys all for being here. Make sure you keep it locked with us going forward. Like I said, we got a lot of stuff on the way. We will see you guys next week. Have a safe and healthy week. Have a safe and healthy future. And God, I am so ready for the draft to happen. We'll see you guys next week.